Hey friends, welcome to Let's Be Clear. I am Clear Cherry Reeves, and this is a podcast where we get clear, pun intended, about how to find a kingdom perspective in all things. No, really, all things. Whether it be about pursuing your dreams, finding hope and hardship, or just talking about Jesus, we will get raw and honest. I believe it will encourage you. Now, let's dig in. Happy Monday, friends. If it is not Monday when you are listening, as always, I hope this finds you well. I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is. Look, I'm just so happy and thankful that you are here listening to this podcast. If you're an avid listener, you know that last week we talked about the word clarity. If you were not around or you have not dug into that episode yet, can I make a suggestion go listen. Um, I really needed, when I was thinking through it for you guys and recording it, y'all, my soul needed it so much. And I've just seen and been challenged this week by the way that the Lord really is um, such a light and a filter underneath everything that when we, what of what we do. And so when we're searching for clarity, he gives it. He is clarity. So I encourage you to take a listen if you did not listen Um, But this week, the word is little. And y'all, I know I'm a broken record. I say this every week. But I just love how these words that we, we have these connotations of what they mean or we attach them to certain significances or events in our lives or the way that we see them and the lens that we see them through. And this podcast gives us a chance to see them differently. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this word, little. Um, But before we dig in and we start talking about what that means for us and what Jesus says, let's refocus together, okay? So if you can, close your eyes. If not, don't worry about it. Um, But just take a deep breath. (sighs) Let's refocus. F, fix your eyes on Jesus. O, open your heart to receive. C, calm your mind. U, Unplug from distractions. S. Saturate your soul in him. (sighs) Deep breath. Oh, man. Feels so good. I wish we were hanging out and we could talk about this together. Um, Sometimes I feel a little crazy talking to myself, but I know y'all are on the other end, and I'm just excited to dig in together. So the word we are talking about this week is the word little, as I've already said. What do we mean by little? little little in size is probably how a lot of us think about this word little little in nature little in impact i want to focus on the little things that we can do to have a big impact in the kingdom of god over and over and over again y'all jesus expects us to give what we we learn that he doesn't expect us to give what we don't have he just needs us to give what we do have, and then he will take care of the rest, right? He is the great multiplier. But one thing I'm learning with this word little, and I don't know if you can, um, you know, agree or feel this way too, but, you know, a lot of times I just fear that what I have to give is not enough. And I think that's a struggle and a common mentality among a lot of us. I know that even in churches, 
you know, I was doing a little bit of research and they say that in most churches, the 80-20 rule rings true. And what that means is that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, which when said out loud, y'all, that seems totally crazy, doesn't it? But it's kind of like the herd mentality mixed with a little bit of human insecurity. We see everyone else around us and we assume that they will take the charge. They will do what must be done. And so we don't feel any urgency to act. Mix that with the insecurity of our gift or our time or our capability or a past mistake that we've made. And it's a recipe for staying stagnant. And to be honest, it is also a painful excuse. You see, because here's the deal is that when we offer the little that we do have, we are activating our faith to believe God will cover the rest. It's never been about whether we are capable. That's the crazy part. In the kingdom of God, it's not even about whether we are capable. It has always been about whether we believe that he is able. Right? When we activate our faith, we are operating with the economy of trust. The math problem never has been supposed, it does, it's never meant to make sense, right? A plus B in the kingdom of God does not equal C. We give what are the little that we have. We see it in so many miracles, and we're going to talk about one in this podcast. And then the great multiplier, the one who amplifies, the one who adds to and increases and transforms, he comes into the picture. And our little turns into more than enough. Luke 13, 18 through 21 says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? It's one of my favorite verses. But what shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough, what it's saying is it doesn't make sense. That is how powerful and amazing our God is, is that when we, God is, is that when we bring our little, it is that little mustard seed, but when we plant it with diligence and care and wisdom and integrity and we sow it in righteousness, God does great things with it. So that's what we're going to talk about. Y'all, like I read this scripture and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, yes, amen. And then in my everyday life, I constantly find myself qualifying my little or the mustard seed I have to give. Like, how how can this be enough? And just so you know, a mustard seed is like itty, itty, itty bitty. It's barely visible to the eye. And I realize that when I do that, I start putting assumptions on God. Don't judge, you do it too. But think about it. I assume that because the world finds it less than impressive, so will he. Or I assume that because I'm not perfect, it will be of no use. Or I assume that the cracks that have been, that or that have occurred along the way make this vessel, me, too broken to be used. But y'all, the problem is with this is well, several things, but three major things, and we need to address them. One, we are placing assumptions on God based on lies that we are believing. Two, 
we allow ourselves to sit back instead of show up because we would rather do nothing than do something imperfectly. Ouch, right? And then three, we realize that the reason we are hesitant to do the small things is because we are so caught up on whether it impresses those around us. But y'all, what what we see all throughout scripture, and if you look back at your life, it is the little dots connected, the relationships that he provides, the way that he moves the puzzle pieces that make the big things happen. It's the little bolt. It's the little screw. It's the little question that turns into a bigger question that turns into a prompt that becomes a dream that attached with action changes the world. It's a little prayer. It's a little meal that we drop off to a friend. It's a little note that we write to a struggling family member. A little t- a little time. All of these things don't seem life-changing or supernatural in and of themselves, right? Just independently. However, when they become part of the bigger picture, they are crucial, y'all. Little by little, and we saw this with Noah's Ark, big things are built. Bridges are connected. Paintings are created. Organizations are founded. Causes are supported. Lives are transformed. The little is the big in repetitive motion. John Wooden, he is the legendary um, or was the legendary UCLA men's basketball coach and a six-time National Coach of the Year who won 10 NCAA championships in 12 years. He is so full of wisdom um, and just one of my favorite people in the world of sports. And I love a lot of his quotes. And one of them says, it's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. You know, he was notorious for talking about how much our everyday habits and practices make us champions both in athletics and if we, as we have seen, if for anyone who's played any type of sport or if you've been in any team dynamic, all of that applies to our life in general. And I wanted to share a quick story um, from the Bible because it's really, it's just really awesome. And some of you may not have heard it. Some of you may have. Um, it's from 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. So it's pretty short. And it's a story of the widow and her pots of oil. And so I'm going to read it because, look, you're probably walking, you might be driving, or you might be making dinner. And you're like, clear, I want to read that, and I'm sure it's really rich, but can you just tell me what it says? So I'm going to read it really quick. It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in that house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she was she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live 
on what is left over. Wow. Y'all, I know I read that fast, so if you need to, rewind it and listen to it again. What do you see in this passage of Scripture? I mean, there's so many things. One, I love that Elijah knows her need before she even says it and helps prompt her by thinking and asking, what do you have in the house? Okay, pay special attention to that. He does not ask her, do you have blank? He simply asks her, what do you have? What do you already have in your possession, in your bag? What do you have at your disposable? Because Elijah's faith believes that God can use what she does have to become the avenue to which he blesses her with what she needs. And then the widow responds, and y'all, man, can I see myself and what she says when he says, what do you have in your house? The widow responds with nothing at all except she was disqualifying what was in her hands before she even presented it. Why do we do that? Like, why, why are we so afraid that our little won't be enough that we give disclaimers to let others know how little it is? And when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, what's on the other side of your nothing at all except? Because I know there's a lot on the other side of that phrase for me. What do I tend to disqualify before presenting? What do I tend to justify or explain? Because I'm scared that it won't be enough. Because you see, when you stop disqualifying the little that you have to give, God can do so much in and through you. Bring all that you have and let him worry about the rest. Another point is that I love that this woman was willing to be vulnerable with her fear and her weaknesses. Because this is, y'all, this is what allowed her to walk in the light and was the door that allowed Elijah to help her see that her little was enough. Like the fact that she was vulnerable and she said, I don't understand. My husband was a righteous man and he served you. And now this debt, this collector is coming to collect these debts and we we, we aren't going to be able to survive. I, I don't know what to do. It was her vulnerability that allowed it to come to the surface. And when we are afraid to reveal our fears about where we are, or when we are afraid or hesitant to show others the little that we do have, we often starve ourselves and them of participating in a miracle. Y'all, can I tell you something? It's okay to be afraid. Also, and I am preaching to myself, it's okay to be in need. It's okay to be very, very human. I think we often get so used to pretending that we're fine and convincing everyone else of that, that we would rather preserve our reputation and live in scarcity than humble our hearts and live in abundance. Y'all, God had bigger plans for this widow and her son. And you know who else benefited from it? Elisha. He got to see his God be faithful once again. He stood in the gap. He professed his faith and it came to pass. Like what a gift for him too, you know? Another thing is, you know what's true in this story and honestly always the case in our own lives? There is always someone else on the other side of our little. 
just like I said, I want you to think about that for yourself. Who is on the other side of you saying nothing at all except blank? This is all I have to give. This is what I have. Who would benefit from knowing that? If you walked in the miracle and really believe for the faith that God's prompting you to have in whatever situation that you're in or wherever you find yourselves, who else would benefit? We see in this story that was the woman, but also her two sons and also Elijah. And now us, now you, now me, because now we're reading the story and we see it too. Other people always benefit from us being vulnerable. Other people benefit from us voicing our needs and getting desperate before God as much as it sucks. Sorry to say that, but it's honest. Other people are always connected to our brokenness and our blessing. Y'all, our brokenness and our blessing. We get to choose what we walk in. And the last thing about the story, you know what's so cool is God just doesn't give her more than, you know, or she doesn't, he doesn't just give her enough to get by for now, right? He doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to fill up the bottles of what's, what will help you pay your debts and then we'll find you a job. No, he equips her with the resources she needs to thrive in the future for her and her sons. He is in the business of abundance. And I love how real God is. Like he doesn't just show off and say, hey, look at this portion of oil turn into a jar so he can be showy and get a wow. Like he is such a God of abundance that for our lives too, when he gives it more than sustains. Also, another thing that I really want us to think about with this word little, just like we have to realize the power of taking little steps and doing the little things God asks of us, we also must open our eyes to the importance of realizing what the little sins can breed in our lives. And honestly, this is kind of not fun to talk about, but I think it's so important because I think these are the little weeds that keep us from watering the little seeds, okay? Um, and honestly, I don't think we even realize how often we kind of size up sins and we think the little ones are simply no big deal. But often the biggest way to get ourselves in a big trap is to take little steps in the wrong direction and think they're no big deal. But when things go unnoticed, they go unaddressed. And when things go unaddressed, they go untreated. And when they go untreated, they can destroy us from the inside out. I am not saying that from anything but experience. You know, it's often the little things that keep us from pursuing a more intimate relationship with the Father. Remember when um, Adam and Eve were in the garden? And they made the little mistake of eating the little mistake, right, from the one tree God asked them not to. And then when God came walking in the garden, they hid from him. And their sin became the separation that made them fear being known, otherwise known as intimacy. So it was their little sin that infused shame that robbed them of the relationship they were literally created for. And this is what happens with these little weeds as they isolate us not only from God but from others. We begin to add bricks to a wall to protect us from others finding out, which in turn prevents us 
from receiving healing. And this is how these little things, y'all, this is how those few little bricks you didn't think you'd trip over, this is how it becomes a wall. Did you know that this is just, I know I was calling them weeds before, and I think it's interesting that weeds can grow anywhere there's room. Like anywhere there's room. They will find a way to inhabit the space. Little sins, lies, and thoughts that don't please God, they work the same way. They are tricky. The slightest bit of room gives them a place to grow. And this is how the enemy works. When we give him, give him an inch, he tries to take a mile. And you know, personally for me, I've seen this a lot of times with even like negative self-chatter. I don't even know it's a little thing that I decided not to capture that thought. And then all of a sudden that thought becomes the motivation for me to do something that doesn't align with my identity as a daughter of the king. And then upon doing that becomes easier to do the next time or believe something about myself. But all along, I know it's not right because I have the Holy Spirit. And so I have that conviction. And then you just want to retreat, right? But God says, hey, well, just like he said to Adam and Eve, hey, where are you? Come out, right? Bring the light board. Pull out those weeds, those little things. I don't want them to take up room because I have big plans for you. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27 says, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So with these little things, like what is something that we can do that's proactive? How do we make little steps of progress in the right direction towards Jesus? We do what we can with what we have, like the widow, right? Where we are, we call that person and we forgive them. We sign up for that one fitness class. We put aside that $5 every month. We give the little bit we can to that organization. We say that little prayer with our husband in the morning. We tell one person the truth about our addiction. We go to that one coffee date with a friend we are trying to get to know. Y'all, I'm constantly amazed at what God does when we decide to show up. I have realized in my own life that sometimes... I don't think I can do something because I can only take, I can only picture the huge elephant. You know what I mean? I can only see that. And I'm trying so hard to understand how all of that is going to be digested at one time. But we have to take the one bite at a time, just like Rome wasn't built in a day, right? That common phrase. You are strong, you are stable, and you are secure in Jesus. Don't let the enemy have a foothold by trying to convince you otherwise he only has access to the room you give him isn't that so freaking awesome (laughs) that the only time he gets to walk into a room in our house is if we give him the key and even then he doesn't have authority there he just spews lies hoping we don't realize our own second corinthians 10 4 through 5 says The weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. Can I tell you something that I hope will encourage you as you listen to this? God knows we will struggle to give our little. Okay? So free yourself from what, like worrying that he doesn't see that. He knows we're going to struggle. He knows we will doubt. He knows we'll delay, deter, detour, discourage, damage, destroy, despair, despair. But he also knows that with him, we can redeem, replace, restore, renew, refresh, rewire, realign, repurpose, and rebuild. You know, this first and second Corinthians, it reminds us that we are going to have to be prepared for the little attacks. Because those are actually the big moments. It says, we destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God. In other words, we know that if we want to gain momentum and gain traction and have good ground, we are going to have to realize the constant hurdles that get placed along the way. The more that we get used to drawing our sword and fighting off that one thought, guess what? The better we will be at the next and the next and the next. Every thought captive, it says. The sooner the little hiccups don't consume us, the quicker we can make much of our little for his kingdom. You know, God can do a lot with our little if we are willing to give him the little and trust him a lot. Okay, I'm going to say that again. God can do a lot with our little if we are willing to give him the little and trust him a lot. You know, as I've been talking, um, you probably have had some thoughts come to your mind, right? We all do when we are listening to things. These are often things that we know God has been prompting us with or ways that we know we need to pivot a little bit. Um, some ways that our spirit is maybe being convicted of maybe the little weeds that are growing that we just decided are not that important. Um, or we just have a lot going on. You know, you'll deal with it next week. And here it is again. Um, there might be some things that you just decided that your little is just probably not going to work. You know, it's too late. It's too small. There's already somebody doing it. But I don't know. I, I think you should maybe reassess if I can, if I can be so strong to say that. You know, there might be some little thoughts that you've allowed to become weeds. Um, And now that you're assessing your garden in 2021, and after quite a year, it feels like something is sucking the life out of everything that you plant. So I really want you to think about these little things that God might be tugging at your spirit about. And I say that because, y'all, man, we talk about it all the time. We are consumers of information and I so appreciate y'all listening and subscribing to this podcast and and sharing it and, and talking about it. And it, man, it means so much to me. But I really, really, really want you, my main mission with this podcast is that you really would allow God to transform your heart in this area. That you would surrender it all and hold nothing back. You know... 
I don't want you to leave this and make a list of 982 little things to do or change. Don't pull it clear, okay? (laughs) Really lean in and take captive what needs to be taken captive. And just make one little step in the right direction. And then tomorrow, make another little step. Will you promise me that? Try not to take too many and get overwhelmed. Just one little step, the next right thing, and then the next day, decide to do that again. So every week in the devotional, um, you always know this, I share the focus tip. It's the very practical suggestion at the end of the devotion. The focus devotional, it's mentioned in the show notes if you do not already have it. Um, it's back in stock. But it says, as you approach God with your little this week, know that your small steps of faith are so important to him. And then be on the lookout to turn your littles into huge events this week. So I'm going to close us up with a Monday prayer. If you can, will you close your eyes? Um, I know it's not more holy to close your eyes. For me, though, every a lot of things are distracting. And so just having someone read truth over you is like honey to your soul. So if you can, close your eyes. Um, if not, just listen in. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of another Monday. Your faithfulness stretches across the canvas of the open skies and reaches deeper than the ocean blue. What a life we live. Thank you for the way you speak so intimately to our hearts and desire for us to know you as our Father and our greatest friend. Will you open my eyes to the resources, gifts, and unique heart I have to give to this world? You made me with divine purpose. Sometimes I look around and gauge what I have to give to those around me and it feels small or insignificant. But then I hear you say, bring all that you are, surrender it to me, and let me have my way in you. I know that when I give you my little, you can do a lot. Nothing is out of reach. Destroy my logical mindset and my expectations based on human abilities. You are the God of all creation. You aren't surprised by what I lack. Make me brave so that I will show up even when it feels like not enough. You multiply what feels minute. You transform the trivial You breathe life into my brokenness and you make it something great. Thank you for that. You are the leader of my life, always placing me on steady, good ground. And the powerful, kind, he's so kind, and resourceful name of Jesus. Amen. Mm. Doesn't that just feel good to hear that? Like that, that prayer. That is true for your life. You are speaking to the King of Kings. And y'all, he hears us. I promise you, with every bone in my body, I can assure you that he hears your prayers. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to tune in and dig into this word little with me this week. I hope it encouraged you. Um, Would you do a little favor for me? If it did encourage you, would you mind sharing it to your stories or leaving a review Um, That's so helpful in the podcasting world, I am learning, and it just means a lot to me. Um, Send it to a friend, send it in your group, um, your family, whatever. I'm just so thankful for y'all following along. 
And I hope you have an awesome week. I hope you are reminded that you're little. When you give your little to God, he can do a lot. Trust him. Give him that little. Take the next right step. He has your back. Have a great week, and we will see you soon.